0: If it's your first time to Willow Park Church and you've never come before, and I know that some of you um, are visitors and one person said I saw you online and so decided to come and see. Thank you for coming. Thank you for clicking online. Uh, Two things you want to know is that as Christians, we truly do believe that it's not just about the words that we say, although those are critical, we have a message to tell the world, it is also about the deeds that we do, that we are, yes, a word and deed, and that we want to declare the goodness of God, but we want to be the goodness of God in the world. And when we're the goodness of God, we make a difference, and and last week I talked about rather uncomfortably at different times about sowing that what we have, we have time, we have treasures, we have talents, and we want to sow those time, treasures, and talents into the work of God. It's a life short, and, and we're called to make this town. We're called to make a difference. Often we think of our world, our life, just as a, a dot, but we forget that eternity is one long line. And the promise of Jesus was that we could receive the gifts of eternal life and the knowledge that we have a hope to come. And this is the foundation of the church that we are good news people, that we are kind people, that we're hospitable people, that we're people that are full of good news and are good news. And as we share the goodness of God through our, our disposition, through our spirit filled life, but through our messages, we touch hearts and lives again and again. So, this is ideal as we go through October and into November before we reach, can you believe, Christmas and Advent? And we're going to be, oh, 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 I just had a palpitation. Okay, <laughs> living in Timothy. Um, what's going to happen there? Uh, okay, yes, of course I know, Phil. Put it together. Uh, st- we're going to do a study in Colossians. Four chapters, but jammed, packed of, of information and design. Think of cautions not so much as, a, as a, a kind of unfolding story, but think of it as a beautiful flower. I love flowers. As you will know, I had my first foray into growing perennials this last year from outdated seeds and have enjoyed the flowers blossoming and growing. But when you look at a flower, you see the outer uh, flowers and then the inner ones and the inner ones and the beauty of that kind of fractal edge, if I can apply that, to the flower and you see its beauty and how it opens at different layers and then presents that fragrance of glory and beauty. Colossians is that kind of book. It basically has a significance glorious message that is like a flower that opens up and this flower brings a kind of a kind of fragrance and the fragrance and the message of, of Colossians is in Christ. In Christ. You and I are in Christ. Of course who is Christ and how does this work and how are we in Christ? Well, Paul starts off, and if you've got your Bibles and you're going to join us with this journey, and if you're brand new to Willow Park Church or you're not in a small group, meet me here tomorrow evening at 7 PM in the foyer with Pastor Jordan, and we're going to start to work out how we can um, uh, put you into small groups, and how you can get discipled. and I'll be teaching deeper principles from Colossians and going farther into it, and then coming back on Sunday, if you're new and you need to meet people, that's the place for you to come, unless you're a senior, and then the place to come is the hymns on Tuesday night, unless you're a young adult, I know we've got students here from the university, then Tuesday night at 6 o'clock, we're going to feed you, and there'll be a time for college and careers, and you'll be able to connect in, have a a lovely meal, and honestly, I'm going, and it's going to be wonderful. Uh, Loads of places to connect in. But it starts up, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. What is the message of Colossians? The message of Colossians is this, the supremacy of Christ in the world. The supremacy of Christ is that he is the head of all creation and through what he brought to the world, he has changed the world through the work of the cross, through the work of salvation, through the work of reaching those in the world with the love of God because Christianity has one central message and that is you can get right with God and you can have a relationship with God in your life. That relationship, flows out of who Jesus Christ was. C.S. Lewis said, Jesus Christ was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. I love Lewis. He always touches it. I mean, he was a professor of English at Oxford University, arguably the greatest university in the world. (laughs) Arguably. But, with a great theological department, but he made that statement that he's either a lunatic, and you think about what he said, you think about the way he spoke. He was a liar. In other words, he was the biggest hustler. He's the biggest scam artist. He was the biggest liar that has ever been to be able to declare from a small village in in Israel where he came from, from Nazareth, a nowhere place. Can anything good come out of that place? He came and walked amongst a humble people, teaching, never really going to the Roman centers, never going to the Roman cities, but only keeping to those simple areas, and through his life, and through his death, and through his resurrection, Jesus Christ has transformed the world. So do with him what you will, but he's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's the Lord. And the purpose of his mission was very simple. The purpose of his mission was to rescue humanity and bring you and I into a right relationship with God. I mean, surely you've laid awake at night. Surely there are times when you've wondered that there must be more, that life is unfair, that death is unfair, that the way things are ordered doesn't seem quite right. Well, that's because it's not. That's because the very message of Christianity. In this unique book of Colossians, only four chapters. But of, of the grand of the fragrance, of the beauty, of the glory, of the supremacy of Christ, that I am in Christ. So notice that Paul starts off always with his beautiful greeting. Grace and peace. Now let me ask you, he could have started off pretty miserable. Because the church of Colossae, let me explain a little bit about geography here, Colossae is a small town in the middle of a valley surrounded by big, dominant, powerful towns. So if you imagine, it's in in Turkey, just at the end of the river, the Lysus, the river that ran through this valley was Ephesus. Ephesus is a major Roman city. It's full of Greco-Roman activity. There are temples. There are slaves. It is a hubble of, of excitement. It is it is Vancouver Roman style. It is New York um, American style. It is a uh, Liverpool in the uh, in in the cities of the world that was a port and activity and great Roman uh, dominance existed there as. Of course, we know the history. But as you walk, go up that river, there were a number of towns, a number of locations. There was, there was larger towns um, that were there. And then in between these towns was this little town called Colossal. just a lot like Okanagan. Okay? You've got the hustle and bustle and the amazing kalona with all of its sheepness. Its, its and it's wonder and you've got excitement and dynamicness which you live in Kettle Valley. And there you are and the mission. And then you've got you've got West Bank with all its wonder and amazement and high houses overlooking the region. And then down to the south you've got the influential city of Penticton. Oh the Penticton that's all I've got to say. And to the north you've got, got Vernon. And, and, and all of it's uh, glorious, and it has a, a, an ancient temple called Sparkling Hills given over to the goddess of Venus. It has all of these things going on, right? And in the middle, you've got Pichuand. Come on, Blitz Bakery. Oh, yeah, that German place, the Gustafs, oh, God. Uh, you If you ever been there? You have not lived. And Colossae is Peachland. It's a little church. It wasn't even planted by Paul. It's a little church. It's a small community. It's a small community. And in this valley, there were something like 11,000 Jewish uh, people that lived and worked in the synagogues. And, and, and this area was, was unique. It was where Paul uh, started his missionary work in Turkey, and he founded, he worked for two years in Ephesus, preaching and preaching, day and night, day and night, three times in the Senate, so something like several thousand times in that city. And he was thrown out of the synagogue, as you know, and um, Ephesus. A young man who became a Christian went to Colossae, and there, as an evangelist, he established that small church and developed it. And so this letter is written to that valley, but it's also written to that little church. Because there's a problem. And they had to work out their theology. their theology was, is Jesus really the one? Is Jesus really the supreme? Is he the head of all creation? Is he the one? Because within that syncretistic society and within Roman world, there was a lot of philosophies floating around, affecting the church, taking away, particularly a group called the Gnostics. So the Gnostics were a group, an early beginning of the Gnostics, a kind of mixed, a kind of mysterious belief about the world and they taught and quite things that seem a bit freaky today. They taught that all matter was evil. Therefore, if there's a God, that God could not have created matter because that God is perfect, and therefore, therefore, God did not create the world, but God then created lots of little gods, and lots of little gods, and then as the most littlest gods, was the God that created the world because he was the one that was not so perfect. He was a little God, and there was a perfect God. And therefore, they believed that you needed to access God through the many layers of secret, mysterious layers of spiritual mystery and truth. And I call it Scooby we Doo theology. It's like, this is like crazy. And then you then you get secret passwords. And when you get your secret password, you can get in you know, you know passwords, oh I forget them all the time. Uh, but you get your secret password and suddenly it becomes da Vinci Code meets the Jewish legalism, meets Roman and Greco philosophy, meets this kind of Gnosticism that says Everything is such if you've got to, like, the flesh is evil, you've got to become spiritual. And Jesus did not arrive in the flesh, but he came as a phantom and a ghost. And he walked amongst men, because if he truly came from God, he could never have come in the flesh. Paul's got a problem. It's the theology of the incarnation. For those who don't know what that means, it means the theology that Christ was born of a Virgin Mary and came and came into the world with a rescue plan. So, Paul writes Colossians to deal with the question because these people are looking for spirituality, and we do that, don't we? We look for spiritual things in weird places, we look for spiritual moments through rocks that we wear, we attach superstition to things, we attach certain practices that have no real credence, but we start to believe in these things because they give us a kind of solace. And and what Paul is trying to say is you don't have to bog yourself down and hold yourself down with passwords, with mysteries, with levels, with a kind of, multi-level sales platform of spiritual things, I want to tell you that when you are in Christ, you can know God's love, you can know God's relationship. It is quite simple. Christ came to show us the way to God, and you and I can know God. So Paul's got a theological crisis that will dump the church for 300 years, by the way. Through the Nicene yeah. Creed, from where they were written, and through the creed, it was dubbed the church. But at this point, we've got the early moments of what is going on. There is a drifting away from the beauty and the wonder of Christ. So he starts off, you think he starts off in a bad mood after all of that, wouldn't you? I mean, in Galatians, he started off miserable. It was about really separate. But he's very nice here. And he's very, very, he starts off by saying grace and peace. You see, you can't have grace. Grace is that lovely Christian word that says you don't deserve God's love, but despite that, God gives us love. We don't deserve salvation and we can't earn it. It is a gift of God. We can't be good enough to get to God and we can't work our way. Therefore, God gets to us and came into the world to show us the way to God. It's grace. And when you have grace, you have peace. And when you have peace, that's how. And so many people in our society are looking for peace. They're looking for that peace that is present. But you won't get peace through any other true means except through the grace and the love of God, through the cross. And when you encounter the cross of Jesus, boy, does that bring peace. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of your love you have for all God's people, and the faith and love that springs from hope. Three words, faith, faith love, hope. Notice those words? Starts off, I give thanks because of your strong faith. I too can connect with that for so many of you. I give thanks because you are strong in your faith, even despite this pandemic. I give thanks that you're strong because you're here worshipping today. But the word faith is to believe. And this is a time when Paul says, you've got all these Gnostic theologies, you've got all of these Opinions floating around but this is the time to hold on and to have faith and I would say today it's a time not to fear not to give in but to have faith in God the word faith is connected to the word believe the word believe means to put your full weight onto that thing to put your whole weight onto that because you believe in it so when I was young and adventurous, I used to go abseiling and, uh, or you in North America call it repelling. And so you put your rope on, you put your figure of eight on, you put it all on, and then you go off the side of a cliff, excuse me, and, and you jump off. Have you ever seen that? That's repelling. And at that moment, I jumped off. I loved repelling. you we were on a adventure trip and camping in the wilds of Scotland near Mullachintyre, Tyre. You know the song? And, and jumped, we would be repelling off cliffs into the sea and then swimming from the sea onto the beach, then finding a cave and we had to live there for two or three days eating seagulls and seagulls eggs. It was disgusting. Um, but I loved it. You know, when you put a figure of eight around that repel, you're saying, I wholly trust in this. Off I go. I wholly trust. That's faith. He said, will you wholly trust your weight and everything in God that God will get you through? Because so many people lean on other things rather than leaning on God. So many of us lean on our possessions on our position, on our power, on our privilege. And yet we forget that what we need to lean on is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he reminds them in the word faith, love you have for all God's people. This was the incredible thing about the Christian faith in the context of the Roman Empire. Romans loved to divide everybody. They were hierarchical. Romans. They were the Roman citizens. And then there were the slaves. They were the different peoples who they acknowledged, like the Greeks who were kind of, you know, they're fine. The Greeks are good. And then there were like the Italians. And then there's the Spanish. And they're okay. And the Gauls. They're, you know, we can work with them. And they had layers. But then there were like slaves and layers and different groups. And then there were the Britons. Ridiculous. Can't work with them. And then the Scots, they never managed to conquer Scotland. But they, they layered this. And when they, what so infuriated the Caesars of Rome was that these Christian communities gathered Jews and Gentiles, Syrians and Israelis, Egyptians and the Lebanese, would gather those from Lebanon, And from Italy, free and slaves, men and women, people of status and power, people of no power and no status, people from the north, people from the south, and they would gather in rooms and they would worship God and they would honor God. The Romans hated this because they showed love to all humanity faith, love that springs from hope stored up for you in heaven. See how they connect together. You believe in God and you lean wholly on him in faith. That's where it starts. You believe. You reach out. You introduce yourself to God. You say yes. You move from faith to love. Because when you become a Christian, we are transformed by the love and the grace of God, and we have love for one another. And I say that again, we have love for one another. The church should never be divided. The church should never be schisms. The church should never... We're not going to be uniformed, but we are united in the mission of Christ, the church global. And we love We love one another, and we love the world. And why do we love one another and love the world? Because we have a hope, and that hope is set in heaven. That eternity comes, and the true message of the gospel, Paul is saying, we have these three things, faith, love, hope, working in our lives. So what drives Paul is this sense of urgency that, yes, We all lean heavily on Christ like you lean heavily on your skis going down a double black diamond a big white. You trust them, namely. We all have love because when you meet Christ, you understand the love of God that transforms your life. Not only do you have then love, but you have a hope of and with that comes an urgency to live right, to be right. Already heard the true message of the Gospel. The true message of the Gospel that transforms our lives. That has come to you in the same way the Gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Paul's a little using a bit of hyperbole here. It hasn't actually reached the whole world. Okay. We sort of get in. but I love that he says it. He just knows what's going to happen. Like, um, like the letter said about uh, St. Thomas, one of the twelve apostles, he went to India and preached in South India and there at the synagogue, down in the southern area where there is a synagogue where St. Thomas arrived. It went to the whole world. There was no doubt in Paul's mind, no doubt at all that actually there's this little church in Peachland that is, that is having a problem theologically, but this gospel is unstoppable and it will change the world and it's just going to keep going and it goes to Europe, it goes around the world, and, and today we can see the billions of people that put their faith in Jesus. And he's talking about the whole world just... And that's our mission, the whole world. And after the service, at the end... Um, the guns are going to stay here and if you've got questions for them and connect with them and talk to them, that's so important to hear, truly understand God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is faithful minister of Christ and behold and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Epaphras, he was second-generation minister. He was dynamic. He was an evangelist. He planted churches up the valley of Lycus. He worked hard. Paul never went to Colossians, but But he, he reproduced himself. He trained people. He went for it. And I think the opening verses remind us and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. We can only have faith when we invite Jesus into our life and he puts a deposit of the spirit within us. And then that deposit of God's spirit that dwells within every believer, which is your treasure, that becomes the engine room of your love. That you choose to connect with it. You choose to develop and foster that beautiful relationship with God that makes a difference. And be clear, it's not about religion. It's not about organizations. It's not about structures because they can all be polluted. It is about you and I, our relationship with God through God's spirit that comes to us. And with that spirit It's a deposit of love that transforms our lives. And with that love comes a deep hope. A deep hope. Nothing can shake us. Nothing in this world can shake us. And I am disappointed at times with Christians on social media where it feels like the spirit of the age is ruling their lives rather than the spirit of God's love is ruling their lives. I'm disappointed because I'm not hearing faith, I'm hearing fear. I'm disappointed because everybody's talking about conspiracy and this and that and the other. Well, wake up to the fact we've had 2,000 years of world empires. We've had 2,000 years of difficulty. where well, the churches has had 2,000 years of marginalization and pain and problems. Each church has to deal with the Roman Empire. And let me tell you, you and I, we know where our hope is and our hope it's in Christ Jesus, amen. That's where it is, and that's what Paul wants to communicate to Colossi. You have to say, Come on, Gnosticism, like get taunting. Supremacy of Christ, don't lose the beauty of what you've got, the beauty of what you heard through Laura Kendra, the beauty of what you heard through the guns, the beauty of the worship that we had, that had this morning, the beauty of God's. Christ is our cornerstone. Let's stand together. Maybe even now you need to reintroduce yourself to the Lord. Ask him. To say, I want to get to know you. Maybe you're brand new to church and you've got, whoa, this is like, I want to talk to somebody. We're available. We'd love you to, um, as Jordan explained, go and and log on and, and connect with us. There are actual physical cards you can fill in. And if you'd like a conversation. See, we haven't checked our brains out when we believe this. There is clear reason but what we do know is that Christianity is a religion of revelation. In other words, there comes a moment when you see it. You go, yes, and you're born from above. But you've got to want that. You say, yes, I want a faith. I want a faith that is real and alive. When I was 15, raised from an atheistic family, I'd only been in church twice or three times and that was for weddings and once for Sunday school and I stayed through the back door and walked home. But it wasn't until that day when I paused in a service like this on a balcony. And I said you see And I just paused. And I prayed a prayer. This was the prayer. As we pray, you can take it yourself. As an act of written missing. Or an act of introduction, or an act of saying, I want to know you, Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus, this morning I realized that I've lived my life without you. And as you gave yourself for me upon the cross, I give myself to you. Come into my life and change me, Lord. I'm sorry for the sins I've committed. I'm sorry for living without you. But I ask, Lord, that you would become real to me. I choose to give my life to you. Amen.